This is the Jefferson Exchange, and that is the sound of the Gangsters, a Portland band that was locally very popular back in the day. The Gangsters came from Albina, which was where most of Portland's and so Oregon's black population lived for decades. It had a vibrant music scene, and then Albina's population dispersed for several reasons, and the music scene was not the same after a while. It is being remembered by the Albina Music Trust, which is taking several steps to preserve Albina's music and memories of it. Bobby Smith is co-founder, lead archivist, and producer and our guest on the Jefferson Exchange. Bobby, welcome. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Sure. For the people who don't know Albina, it has changed quite a bit from its heyday. What happened to first create and then reduce Albina's role as a center of black culture in in Oregon? Well, a number of factors over the years, uh, civic disinvestment, redlining, uh, and ensuing gentrification have reshaped the neighborhood indefinitely. So, what was once a you know the largest um, and a thriving uh, African American community in the state of Oregon um, is now you know it looks about like Silver Lake or you know na- neighborhoods in Austin, Texas. It, it's quite uh, unrecognizable. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned redlining though, because ultimately, I mean, Albina's creation was due in part to uh, to segregation and and uh, and. Uh, and racism, you know, everybody stay over there was the essence of it. That's what gave Albina its its reason for being in the first place. Certainly, yeah. The the Vanport floods in the late 1940s uh, reshaped uh, the area, and so um, uh, city planners and and various uh, real estate boards decided, you know, where folks would live within the city, and so Albina, which is you know just this. Um, constellation of neighborhoods in north and northeast Portland became uh, the locus and the, the hub for African-American uh, community members. So that must be a really rich history of music created and played in Albina. Absolutely, yeah. There you know, have been some efforts to document the work. There's a great book um, by Robert Dietschy called Jumptown, which documents the uh, jazz and big band community from the 1940s and 1950s. Um, but, you know, there's so many living legends and elders, musicians that are still with us today um, and who, you know, kind of pick up where that book leaves off. So a lot of the folks that we uh, find ourselves working with, whether it's members of the gangsters or otherwise, are uh, were, were active in the 1960s up until the current day. So at, at, its, at its peak, there was something like, what, 20 clubs playing music just in the Albina section of town? Yeah, easily. And, and that can be... Um, you know, experience through our, our online archive. We've developed a digital repository that documents, um, among other things, uh, some of the club life. So you can uh, locate on a map, you know, it syncs with Google Maps and, and observe and see exactly where some of those clubs were located. Do any of the venues from Albina survive from back in the day? Well, depending upon uh, what we might classify as back in the day, um, <laughs> there are some uh, clubs that you know, one comes to mind. Uh, there's a p- location called Clyde's Prime Rib, which, to me, is is one of the the last remaining and most vibrant outposts for the African American community. You can hear R and B and soul music on the weekends. Um, there's a jazz jam on Sunday evenings hosted by Ron Steen. Uh, but other than that, I mean, historic clubs, you know, pre-internet or or 20th century, uh, do not remain. No. 
We're talking about the Albina Music Trust with co-founder Bobby Smith, who is the lead archivist and uh, producer of uh, some of the materials coming out of the Albina Music Trust, preserving uh, the story of the music scene in Albina in Portland, which was a large portion of Oregon's black community uh, back in the day. And uh, and you can join us if you've got questions or comments by email jx at jeffnet.org. So, Bobby, talk about the, the creation of the Music Trust. Did, was it you approaching Calvin Walker? Is that how it got started? Uh, something like that. Yeah, we, um, you know, so we're, I'm, I'm a big proponent of community radio and have been active um, since college when I began at KWVA in Eugene. Um, some of us from that station started a station called X-Ray FM here in Portland. And uh, we found ourselves located in the Albina district. And I had a Friday evening program and, you know, as an avid record collector interested in the legacy of black music, I thought, wow, wouldn't this be a great way to bring in folks from the community since we're we're right here? So Calvin uh, was one of the first folks who came on to the radio show. You know, we did a brief 30-minute interview, uh, I'd say 2014, 2015. And he, you know, after the interview, he stuck around and we, we sat and chatted for about three hours. Um, and he just laid out the, the history of, of the musicians and the, the vibrant um life that existed and all these bands and folks that we should reach out and connect with. Uh, and in some respects, the rest is history. We, um, you know, began bringing elders into the studio to, um, to be able to be on radio uh, and share their story as well as their music. And so a domino effect sort of ensued. And we, you know, kind of developed by um, trial and error, just a responsive practice to uh, helping folks to digitally preserve photography or, uh, audio that we could play on the air, um, and then it sort of, you know, turned into this uh, larger-scale archival effort. Well, Calvin Walker had his own band back in the day and and uh, clearly had connections to a lot of other people on the Albina music scene, and it sounds like once you started collecting stuff, people came out of the woodwork with a whole lot more. Yeah, certainly. I mean, I think uh, the word spread quite quickly as Albina is a very close-knit community. Um and, you know, the opportunity, some, some of the folks that were coming on air at the time for this Friday evening program were, uh, had never been on the radio before or had never really had their music um, shared outside of the confines of the community. So, you know, we, our work just developed to really amplify um, the legacies of these musicians, give them opportunity to um, put voice to their own histories. Um, it's just been a wonderful project. And lest anybody think that this is just stuff that was, like, locally good, this was, like, world-class stuff. Here's an example. We have a clip of uh, Shirley Nanette that I pulled from the from the uh, the YouTube page for the Albina Music Trust. And, and this is—she's really great. Let's listen. Peace of mind. I mean, there was some really great stuff done in Albina back in the day, and it just didn't see the light of day in the wider world, did it? No, you know, it's uh, in in some respects there. You know, that might be the story of the music industry in Portland. Um, but you know, historically, as we look at um, the barriers to access that you might consider for musicians, say in Portland, well, they were even more stacked uh, for African American musicians. Um, so whether that would be you know, things along the lines of uh, access to 
you know, uh, publishing deals or, or getting the right gig downtown to be, you know, seen by various agents. Um, there's, there's a whole slew of reasons that uh, this music just didn't make it out. Well, yeah, and the whole the whole racism part of the the industry more broadly too. I mean, pretty much if you can come up with a great song from the early '60s, it was probably done by a black artist before the white artist that you came to know it, doing it. For example, uh, "Go Now" by the Moody Blues, done by uh, Bessie Banks first. Um, uh, I forget the name of the artist who first did the song um, "Take Me for a Little While," which Dusty Dusty Springfield had a big hit with, as did other people. But all, done by black artists first, and yet not widely distributed. This has been a, a story throughout the history of the industry, hasn't it? Yeah, one thing that's been interesting for us to hear, you know, sitting in the the, the radio station each Friday evening with folks, you know, uh, Portland's you know main industry for nightlife. Uh, it's always been downtown, at least um, it was in you know the 60s through the 80s when a lot of the artists we're working with were active. But there's often this claim that comes through our door, different folks saying, you know, we were the first all-black band to play in downtown Portland, or or we were, you know, and these are groups that date back to the 60s as recently as the 90s. And regardless of who's correct in making that claim, um, just the fact that the lack of presence or the lack of visibility of African-American artists in the local music population was that scant is, you know, a testimony in and of itself. We're talking about the Albina Music Trust uh, in Portland in the Albina neighborhood, preserving a really vibrant music scene involving a lot of black and other artists uh, from back in the day. Bobby Smith is uh, the co-founder, lead archivist, and producer. Uh, by the way, I, I did go look it up. Jackie Ross was the first person who recorded Take Me for a Little While. Boom! The E.B. Sands version by the white artist came out like right on top of it and eclipsed it ah. completely. Um, so uh, so the, the stuff is not just sitting on shelves somewhere. You talked about digitizing all this. What have you done to, to get the stuff out there yeah so you know the way we see it um you know preservation is a fairly simple act and the role of an archivist you know is something you can go to college for that you can get a library science degree but in essence you know we're looking at um you know preserving arranging describing and presenting uh material um and so i think in this sort of responsive practice that we've developed over time, we've learned from local engineers and uh, trainings that we've been able to put together how to work with reel-to-reel tape, how to work with uh, negatives, and how to work with a, a myriad of um, you know old formats to be able to work with folks, um, you know old stuff that relates to the music community. So after having done that for a number of years and, and seeing our a lot of these digital um, copies of items sitting on hard drives or in our cloud storage, we, we really wanted to generate access to the community for folks to be able to experience that. So in, during the pandemic, uh, we got together with a team of developers and started working on the web architecture for the site. So we've just released uh, the Albina Community Archive, which depicts the uh, arts and culture legacy of the neighborhood, featuring a whole host of musical materials. Um, and it's online at albinamusictrust.com slash archive. Um, and, you know, once again, we our goal is really just to create access. We uh, have wanted to see that this material could be digitally experienced um, because, quite frankly, we just 
we don't have space to hold this. We don't have, you know, a museum uh, <laughs> that we've been able to generate yet. So online is probably the best way. And uh, you have a record label you developed too? Yeah. So, um, you know, we're fortunate in the state of Oregon. We have a lot of great um, uh, agencies that are supporting the arts. And so through various granting cycles uh, in our region, we've been able to generate funds for uh, vinyl records. And the thinking behind that was that, you know, there's so many bands that made demos that were just kind of to get a gig in their time, but never really went anywhere. Uh, but as you, you stated earlier, it's just so much good music, right? So we worked with artists to give them that opportunity to have their music on a vinyl record, which, you know, would have been the format they would have experienced it in their time. So at this point, we're coming up on our 10th release, um, and the label's been going Ever since the you know that gangster song you played earlier, that was the first record we did back in 2018. We're gonna go out with uh, the gangsters as well too uh, when we have to say goodbye in a minute. But uh, but you're you're almost uh, 10 years into the project now from that first conversation with uh, Calvin Walker on uh, X-ray FM. Uh, uh, are do you are you pretty much in a good groove now? Do you see other things that you haven't yet done that you could be doing? You know, the project has just taken on so many forms, and one uh, form that has been really fruitful uh, as of late is a, um, a format we call Soul Conversation. We get the musicians together, and we just sit down uh, in a venue and have folks come out, you know, uh, have, you know, uh, snacks and, and drinks and that sort of thing, and the elders sit down and they tell, you know, their stories while we, um, in real time, uh, display images and archival um, footage related to the stories that they're telling. Uh, so that's been one way that we've kept it going. But I'd say more broadly, you know, we just want to keep the archive going. We're, we're doing a lot of outreach for folks to bring their archival materials in. Um, and we just want to grow that piece as best we can and really just serve as a model for this emergent practice of uh, community archives happening throughout the United States. That's our signal that our time is up. That's the gangsters once again to take us out here on the Jefferson Exchange. Uh, I'm talking about the Albina Music Trust, which you can find at albinamusictrust.com. Bobby Smith is the uh, co-founder with Calvin Walker, lead archivist and producer. Bobby, thanks for sharing this with us on the Jefferson Exchange. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. And thanks for listening to The Exchange today. We're at jeffexchange.org. I'm Jeffrey Bradley with Charlie Zimmerman on controls. Have a great day. Enjoy the gangsters. 